Hello, and welcome to the Secular Overeaters and Friends podcast, a place for supportive people who want to control their eating without a focus on God. For additional information about abstinence without God, please visit secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's featured speaker. I'm Megan. I'm an addict and a compulsive eater. Um, hi. So, I have really been dreading talking today. Really was not looking forward to it. But I am. I'm really grateful to be here. I'm grateful that I'm abstinent and that I can be of service. And and so I'm going to share my experience, what happened, what it's like now. But I think most of you know my story. So I really want to focus more so on where I'm at today and a little bit about what this Thanksgiving is like for me. Part of the reason I felt really conflicted about sharing here today, like the idea of a thankathon on Thanksgiving, I was kind of like, what the fuck? And the idea of like talking about gratitude on Thanksgiving, I was like, what the fuck? Like there's a really big disconnect for me there. I, for me, today's a day of mourning. It's a day of tragedy and, and And so there's a dissociation for me when we start talking about Thanksgiving and gratitude and, and I feel really alone. I'm like, I feel like I'm in a room and I'm like, what the fuck is everybody like doing? And, and so I'm having to like process that and speak my truth. And then I'm also like, well, should I share this? It's kind of like an outside issue. And we don't talk about outside issues in meetings. But the longer I have abstinent and I have sober, the more my recovery becomes less about not eating or not drinking or not using and more about living in alignment with my values and showing up in an authentic way. And so this is where I'm at. I am kind of like, how is Thanksgiving a thing? How is this a thing, people? Like, what are we doing here? You know, like, for me, this is a day when millions of people were murdered and cultures annihilated and the planet just destroyed. And we're going to celebrate by eating a lot, you know, and then over-consuming. And I'm like, can we do something different? And what I... I'm so grateful for is I can do something different. In the past, I didn't have a choice. Well, A, like I always, I've known when things don't feel right, but I haven't been able to identify why and articulate that. I haven't had the confidence to speak that truth to people, but I also didn't have a choice. Like I was going to be in the food. Like even if I wanted to say, you know what, I really want to honor this day by not overindulging that wasn't an option because I was always overindulging and my life was ruled by food. So I am grateful. I'm so deeply grateful that I don't have to do that this year and that I can make a choice and that I can stand up here and share with y'all that that's what I'm going through 
And then I'll probably have a shame hangover over after this, but I'll process it. I'll deal with it. I'll get through it and I'm not going to eat over it. So a little bit about my story. One thing I think a lot of times is we focus a lot on like what it was like. And I think that's useful only in so much as it helps me to realize like, we get abstinent together, we recover together, but we get sick together too. Like, of course I'm a fucking addict and a compulsive eater. Like there's no other way I could have possibly turned out. I was not raised by people who were able to develop a healthy sense of self-esteem. They were not able to teach me how to manage my emotions, to regulate myself. They... They were addicts themselves. You know, my dad's an addict and alcoholic. My mom uses shopping, food, alcohol, whatever she can. And so in my case, I started using drugs at a pretty young age. And I'm also, I'm introverted. And so I think for me, a big part of using was about socializing. It was about feeling okay with other people and connecting with other people because I had a really hard time with that. And food wasn't, it wasn't a thing. So it was mostly the drugs and alcohol. But as I, when I would get sober, um, during those periods of sobriety, I would eat. And so that's when I would switch to the food. And, And that became more and more of a thing. And I've kind of identified over the years, it's interesting, food is much more about isolating for me. And it's much more about hiding and disappearing, whereas other forms of addiction have been more external. So food just became more and more of my drug of choice as I got older. And the really tricky thing about food is the consequences are much they're much slower and it's a lot, you know, you put on a little bit of weight. You might not feel great the next morning, but you know, you're not waking up with the same hangover. It's like, I wasn't in trouble with the law anymore. You know, I could like go on a massive food binge, but I wasn't like out getting arrested for that. And people, I could continue with work with school. So it was a lot easier to engage in my food behaviors than other destructive behavior. So it's not, it's not surprising to me that so many people turn to food because it's a lot, it's easier in many ways. And also just as destructive, if not more destructive, because it was much more isolating for me. So I first came into, I had been in and out of 12 step for, I mean, at this point, it's been over two decades. So I was familiar with it, but I came into OA when I was about 24, 25 and I got a sponsor, I worked the steps, but I never really had lasting abstinence. And I think a couple things, I think one, I wasn't, I hadn't quit drinking. So I did quit using drugs around age 20, 21, but I didn't quit drinking. And I, alcohol is not my drug of choice, food is, but I don't think I could have gotten abstinent without quitting drinking first. So that needed to happen. But also kind of going back to what I was speaking about earlier, there were a lot of things in program that didn't feel good for me. And I didn't have the words to say, to explain why they didn't feel good. 
um, or the confidence to own it. So a lot of times in program, we say, you know, and how it works in the big book, it says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover cannot or will not completely give themselves to this program. So they are saying if this program doesn't work, it's because you're not doing it right. Not because the program perhaps just isn't working for you. And as a woman and as someone who doesn't believe in God, like it didn't work for me. Like the idea of like just praying and saying, please remove my defects of character. Like that didn't do anything for me. So like my defects didn't go away. I also don't think that I eat over my resentment. So like I do a fourth stop. I've done, you know, half a dozen at this point. And I do it mostly because my sponsor tells me to and because I'll do anything I can to stay abstinent at this point. And I don't think it hurts, but I also don't feel like I get a ton of relief out of it. But back then I didn't, I didn't have the words to say all of this. And I didn't, I knew that 12 stop worked because I saw it. Um, but I didn't know why I didn't understand why it worked. So all of that to say is I stopped coming to meetings. Um, and I went back out and I spent another eight years binging and I did eventually I quit drinking. And so that was the first really big step for me that I think led me to be able to be abstinent. And I had gone back to AA to quit drinking but again, I left and I, it was really scary when I left too, because I was like, oh, I can't do this without 12 step. I had like really internalized that message, but I knew it, it didn't fit for me. So I left and then I just continued to struggle for the next few years with food. And I felt like a fraud, you know, I would say I'm sober, but I knew I was getting high binging. And it didn't feel like recovery or sobriety. And I was angry all the time and I was hurt and I wasn't, I just, I wasn't okay. So I came back and I came back in February, it'll be two years. So I came back and I went to a free thinkers meeting and I had never heard of a free thinkers in 12 step of that concept. And I just went to one meeting and then I was traveling for the next like eight months. So I didn't come back, but then I came back last August. And so in between when I, you know, the 10 years of when I first came into OA and when I came back, I did a lot of studying of addiction, of eating disorders, of 12 steps. So I had an understanding of of why it worked. Um, because I knew, you know, one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is what do I want for myself? And I want to live with grace and dignity. And I knew I had seen that in the rooms. I had seen people living with grace and dignity. And I began to understand that, you know, we say it's, they call it God in program, but you know, part of what happens is we're retraining our brains. So like when I feel triggered to eat something, instead of just engaging in my normal behavior, I pick up the phone and I call somebody. And then I get that reward of connection, of feeling better. And then I continue to reinforce that and reinforce that. Um, also the power of community, very, very powerful when it comes to 
to combating isolation, to combating shame, the deep feelings I had that I was not okay, that I was not enough. Um, the framework of 12 step allows me to be seen in a safe way and to talk about things that I don't normally talk about and to rewire these behaviors. So I came back to OA with more of that understanding and also a safe space where I didn't have to conform to someone else's to someone else's framework, the patriarchal God framework and say, you know what, you need to just like change these words in your head. You need to like conform to this. I could come to a safe space and say, no, like I don't have to conform to that. It can conform to what I think. So I got a sponsor and I still have that sponsor and I worked the steps and I rewrote the steps in a way that makes sense to me. So the first step is admitting that I am powerless. I'm powerless over food. I'm powerless over other people. I am powerless over history. I am powerless over my other addictions. I mean, step one starts by working around the food, but I work it every day around different things. So like Thanksgiving, I am powerless over the fact that our entire country and millions of people are like, let's celebrate this day. Let's eat massive amounts of food and buy a ton of shit. And let's just destroy the planet and our bodies. Like I'm powerless over that, but I'm not powerless over how I'm going to show up today and the new traditions that I'm going to build with my family today. So step one is actually a very powerful step. And acknowledging my powerlessness, I get my power to do something different and not be ruled by these other forces that have ruled my life up until now. Um, step two is coming to believe that recovery is possible and that it's worth it. And that's what meetings are for. That's what fellowship is for. I come and I see people living their lives and behaving in ways that I want. I want to show up with dignity and grace. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be fighting everything. I don't want to be in the food. I don't want to be in the alcohol. And then I see other people who like used to be crazy in the way that I was crazy, do crazy things with food. And they're not doing that anymore. Um, and everything I've tried has not given me that result. So step two is really believing that it's possible to do something else. And then step three is, okay, I believe it's possible. I believe it's worth it. Now my recovery is going to be my number one priority. Like I have to put it first. And that one didn't come as fast for me. That's, it's really developed the longer I am in program. And it, one of the things I've been thinking about, and I have it written on my wall here is, how free do I want to be? We hear that in program a lot. I want to be free. I do not want to feel like I need to have things, people, food, anything to be okay. I want to be free. So I'm going to do what my sponsor tells me to. I just abstain from a lot of foods. I don't know if I have a physical allergy, like they say, maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I don't want to fuck with it. So I just like, you know, I don't eat sugar. I don't eat flour. I don't eat in front of my TV. I have my meals, you know, I'm plant-based and that's something that's really important for me for ethical reasons. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, don't you feel deprived? 
no, I don't, I'm not white knuckling it. I do it because I feel good. I do it because it makes me feel free and not ruled by the food. I am speaking at this meeting because I want to be free. And so like, I'll do things that don't really feel good right away. Um, or that I'm scared of, because that's really what it is. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm not going to say anything useful. I'm afraid y'all are going to judge me. You're not going to like me. But if there's a chance that it resonates with someone, I'm going to do it. And then that in turn is what's going to give me purpose in life. And that purpose is what makes it worth it for me. So steps two and three are really also about like, why do I want this? Why am I willing to do whatever it fucking takes show up to meetings, have three sponsees, text with my sponsor, like do everything that it's going to take. Why? Why? And my reason is it allows me to show up in a way that I can feel okay about and I can feel good about myself and I can be of service. Steps four and five, pretty standard. Um, again, like I said, I don't find a ton of relief. I don't think I eat over my resentments. I think I eat over my traumas. I think I eat over the trauma that I've inflicted onto other people and not showing up in the world in a way that I can feel good about and feel okay about not being authentic. And then step six and seven is action. It's like, okay, now I'm taking inventory. Now I'm present in my life. And so when I do get those feelings of like, oh, something's not right, like I can change it. I can do something different and I can show up in a way that I feel good about. And today is a perfect example. I'm not engaging in Thanksgiving. I'm not doing a big Thanksgiving meal. I'm creating my own tradition. I cried for a long time this morning and like just honored what this day is about. And then the rest of the steps is just, it's more of the same, you know? It's my, I meditate every morning. I wake up at 4.30 so I can get to work by 8.30. So I have time to meditate for an hour, to journal and to move my body. And I have to do those things to show up in the way I want to. And it sounds hard, but it's the easier way for me. And that is where I find freedom. I have sponsees. I go to meetings. I do service. And service is not just like being timekeeper at a meeting. My life has to be of service. That has to be the binding agent of everything for me to be okay, for me to be free. Thank you for joining us today. To hear recordings of other speakers in this series, visit secularovereaters.org. And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our work.